0: It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store. From your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. The morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez.
1: We welcome back Chief Medical Officer at DHR Health in Brownsville. At the Brownsville campus also. Cameron County Health Authority, Doctor James Castile. It is vaccine season again. We got conversations on flu vaccine on the way. We got the COVID vaccine. We got pneumonia vaccine. Uh, well, for certain individuals that are that are prone to get that, and, and other vaccines that are on the way. But f- first, Doctor James, we want to ask you about the rash, uh, the the cases of fentanyl poisoning in Cameron County. Uh, last we heard was what was it like? Three deaths, about a handful of other people that had to be hospitalized as a result. Do you think that this incident is localized just to limit it to just a small group of people that may have gotten a bad batch of, of drugs, as, as the DA said? Or is this something that every now and then you get to see a case of fentanyl poisoning? It just doesn't hit the radar in, in Cameron County. What would you say it is?
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those every now and then things. It seems to be the trend is that fentanyl is getting mixed into lots of other stuff. Um, you know, for example, with, with kids or young people, it's going to be these counterfeit pills um, where they think it's one thing, uh, let's say like Xanax or one of these other pills, and it actually turns out to be uh, a counterfeit pill that has fentanyl inside of it instead of the other, the other drug. And fentanyl is so potent, it's like 100 times stronger than morphine. Uh, to, you know, if you pour some table salt on the table and if you take 10 little grains of salt, that's a lethal dose. Wow. Uh, so when they're making these counterfeit pills, if, you know, anything goes wrong in that process and we're not exactly talking about, you know, pharmaceutical grade manufacturing here, you know, that's all it takes to turn into a lethal pill uh, or if somebody mixes just the wrong amount. Uh, into whatever they're trying to do, it, it, it's that small of a margin to go to deadly. And, and I think that's that's the issue you're seeing with fentanyl or you're hearing a lot about that in particular when it comes to these uh, illicit uh, illicit drugs. We're talking about stuff that's not coming out of pharmacy.
1: Yeah, and those that amount that you mentioned, those few specks, a little grains of, of salt, uh, you probably not wouldn't be able to see something like that. If there's some residue on clothing or or something, some surface, uh, again, that's a lethal dose for an adult. Children exposed to that, that'd be even uh, m- more dangerous. A smaller amount would be equally as dangerous. And, and that's what's scary about all this fentanyl that, that is out there. Uh, w- I know we have Narcan that is on the way, should be on store shelves by the end of this month. I'm thinking it's likely a good idea to have some of this Narcan at job sites, schools, you know, just in case.
2: Yeah, I would definitely think it should be everywhere. We see those defibrillators, right? So uh, wherever you see those, you know, we have those defibrillators, or somebody's having a uh, their heart has stopped, and we want to do CPR on them. You have those things available uh, everywhere in schools and everything. There's there's some, I think, some legal barriers uh, keeping over the counter, even over the counter medicines. And now Narcan is going to be over the counter, like literally, you could buy it like you're getting an allergy medicine, which I think is great. Uh, Certainly, you know, families who are, you know, struggling with somebody in the household uh, who may be using substances, even if it's not opiates, uh, may be abusing substances. They should probably keep that in their house, Uh, and it's a a nasal spray, so it's pretty easy to administer. And if you're wrong and it's not that, then nothing happens, no harm. But uh, if you're right and then the symptoms, the person's become unresponsive, uh, they're having an overdose, uh, it, it cures it. For a time being. They still need to seek medical attention. Um, But the the Narcan, you know, reverses it. It's pretty amazing.
1: Cameron County Health Authority, Dr. James Castillo, our guest.
3: Dr. Castillo, Tim Sullivan here. Well, let's talk COVID. Let's get a COVID update. Uh, Where are we now with respect to the virus, the the current mutation of the virus and the vaccines that are trying to keep up with the, the mutations?
2: Yeah, the, um, in terms of the virus, it, it's, um, it's doing its usual, let's see if it settles into this pattern from now on, kind of like how we got into flu season being in the fall in the northern hemisphere, right? Um, but in terms of COVID, we seem to get this uh, late summer and then uh, midwinter, like December type of spike. And so right now, we're still seeing, I think, a, a few thousand cases a week um you know it doesn't and it never goes away so COVID is definitely a year-round thing um and so the new vaccine that's out uh, is uh, it co- covers the omicron version now that version is not circulating anymore uh, but all of the ones that are circulating came from omicron right so the current vaccine is a lot closer to what is circulating right now um and in the u.s they approved it uh, for everybody six months and older, but I think the people who it's most critical that they get this vaccine is people who are living with chronic medical problems. Uh, and uh, anybody over 65, it's pretty clear they should have it. Uh, and what it does is it does keep up your immunity against the severe COVID, right? That the kind that puts you in the hospital or or that you can die from, which is much rarer these days. Mm-hmm. It is much rarer. Um, but it still does uh, happen. So certainly it's going to become the part of the health care uh, like we do for the pneumonia vaccine, like we do for the annual flu vaccine, especially for people who are living with chronic medical problems. And here in the Valley, it's a lot of people. Um, you know, I think there's a much wider open to debate about, Kids and young healthy people. I think I think that's where there's there needs to be a lot of room for thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know where it's pretty clear is the people who are at risk for severe COVID that they should be up to date on this on this particular uh, uh, vaccine, especially leading into leading into the next spike, right? Which is which is probably coming up in a few months, mm. <clears throat> and it's still circulating now. So um, uh, if a person already had COVID, if you just had COVID in the past month or two you just had it with this wave, it's pretty safe to wait four months after after you had COVID. Uh and and then if you want to get vaccinated, um, you get it and it boosts you up another few another three, four months yeah. uh, of protection against infection, but that protection against severe disease lasts.
3: Oh,
1: okay. Understood. The COVID, yep. the flu vaccine, the pneumonia vaccine for folks that are very, very sick. uh, Immunity compromised uh, as far as everyone. When they take these vaccines, whenever they're available, and I suspect it's this month when uh, most of this would be available, do they need to spread apart the uh, those vaccines, or can they just take them all at once to protect their respiratory system?
2: No, you could. Yeah, you could. You could take them all at once. Uh, Your immune system is used to dealing with multiple insults at the same time, right? So if you think about what happens in a natural viral infection. Uh, your immune system's you know fighting off all these different chunks of the virus as it breaks it down, right? So it's looking at a bunch of different antigens, like different things to attack. Uh, with these with these uh, vaccines, it, you know your tends to be focused on the particular uh, part of that virus. Um, and your immune system's always fending off multiple bacterial infections, multiple uh, viral infections simultaneously. Um, so it, you know it is safe to get those at the same time. When the COVID vaccine first came out, they wanted to space it out because they wanted to see specifically what are, if persons are having reactions yeah, I see. Is it to which sense. vaccine okay. now, you know, now I think we've got quite a few millions of doses uh, into this and it's a better, a better understanding. The other vaccine that's out now is the RSV vaccine, oh. you know, for adults 60 and over. Uh, if you have grandkids uh, RSV, we saw what happened with that uh, after um, after COVID where, you know, a lot of people hadn't, hadn't seen it. Uh, in a while, because of, uh, of all of the, uh, the precautions that were being taken. So right now, the new vaccine that's out is the RSV okay. uh, vaccine. Uh, and it's that's definitely something that people should talk to their doctors about for right. little kids and then for 16 over.
1: Thank you, Dr. James, for the update. Dr. James Castillo, Cameron County Health Authority.
0: It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store. From your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: Download the free app for 710 KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United crisp, clear audio, and access to previous programs from 710 KURV. Only at Radio Para Mi. Download it. It's free. Well, look at that. Already, like, mid-October. Chihuahuas. Well, before you know it, the month will be done and we'll be on final approach to Turkey Day and Christmas will be here and more cold fronts, so it's that time of change, seasonal change, and usually in October, in our annual conversations with the local health office, October is a month for you know vaccines. We got the flu vaccine being shipped in. We have uh, RSV type vaccines now. That that's an issue for for babies with with weak lungs and and maybe even for some older folks that may need to be protected from from RSV. I don't know if that's available for older folks, but we're going to find out. Uh, COVID vaccine, pneumonia vaccine, other vaccines you normally don't think of likely to be available really really soon. And uh, and on another news note, as I mentioned earlier uh, narcan will be available over the counter and looking at the rash of cases out of cameron county we had several deaths already like eight deaths in eight days in cameron county uh, fentanyl related yeah i think we're gonna need to stock some narcan at the office at the schools so let me bring in a dear friend of mine danny vela is the owner of lee's pharmacy north and south McAllen. okay danny let's start with uh, let me ask you about Narcan, brother. Before we start talking about the vaccines, um, it will be should be available by the end of this month. Have you heard on uh, about when you might be receiving some of that Narcan to purchase over the counter?
4: It's it's been listed um, by the wholesalers, but I really think they're trying to get it into the hands of first responders, police, mm. okay. schools, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, it's still not available on the on the orders. Uh, but, yeah, just as soon as it's available on their shelves, we will have it on our shelves here in the stores. Hey, how does it Absolutely. work? This
1: Narcan thing, how does it work, man? Is it inhalable, injectable? What do you know?
4: It it, it comes both injectable and in, inhaled. Um, it is a um, an opioid antagon, receptor antagonist, which means that your opioid receptors in our bodies attract the opioid Narcan comes in, knocks off the opioid, replaces it with a Narcan instead of the opioid, um, and then the opioid goes somewhere else to look for another open receptor. But it, blocks it, it knocks it off, and then it blocks the receptor, so the opioid effect goes away.
1: So if, if it can't find a receptor and it can't find an open door, eventually what the, bo- the body will mm, pee it out <laughs> Well it'll dissipate. It'll dissipate
4: within the body, it'll be uh, taken out by the by the normal physiology of the body.
1: All right. And
4: but there's sometimes sometimes you can't get enough Narcan relative to the amount of opioid in your system. So eventually the Narcan comes off of the receptors and the opioids go back in. Hopefully after that first dose of Narcan you have made contact with 911, or you've got someone in an emergency room, or you've got them in the in a hospital, so that they can get treated with higher doses or more continuous doses of Narcan. Yeah,
1: it's good that you mentioned that. I, I hear that constantly, and it's good to repeat it. Even even if you have the Narcan and you address the issue, you still need to get that person over to the ER to be assessed. And it's kind of scary. Absolutely, right? It's kind of scary yeah. to think how how potent, how potentially lethal and just like very little bit of this fentanyl stuff uh, will ruin your eternity. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll send mm-hmm. you to eternity. It's, it's really scary to think. Have you had to train people different at the pharmacy because of the presence of Narcan in the community and maybe how you might need to respond to something like this?
4: A couple of years ago when there were, when when physicians were prescribing opioids, fentanyl. they were also making it their policies to prescribe Narcan in case of that overdose. And this is for legitimate prescribed medications being given to patients who need the opioids. We were, we were willing to also dispense the Narcan. I'd say a lot of people did take it, did did take it from the pharmacy as a prescription, but we had just as many not take it um, because they said, no, I don't need it. Yeah. Mm.
1: Danny Vela from Lee's Pharmacy, North and South McAllen. October is vaccine. We should make it like officially a vaccine month. I know back to school is, is back vaccine period as well, but like right now, uh, I suspect you'll be stocking things for pneumonia, COVID, flu, RSV. What else is coming down the pike for the pharmacy?
4: This time of year, we always have the flu vaccines available. Um, because the flu begins to make its rounds throughout the United States. It goes in cycles, different areas of the country, different times. Somehow our area down here is usually late November, sometimes as late as December or January. Uh, but we start, we like to start vaccinating people in as early as September. Most of our vaccines are in October and November. That gives them protection for four or five months. Sometimes it wanes. Um, and you can make it through the flu season without any any problems. Yeah,
1: I say it works. I, it's been a while since I've gotten. It's been a while s- since I've you know taken a, a flu vaccine, but I, I can. I mean, from my testimony, about a decade ago, last time I think I, I took one, uh, I did get the flu, but it lasted one day. Yeah, I felt awful. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I felt. Yeah, I felt awful. Not after the vaccine, like later. I, t- I got the vaccine, and then, but I don't know, two months later. I got it. The bug bit me, and I was miserable for 24 hours, and then, ooh, hallelujah. It's like my strength came back, and and I guess uh, that was the result of some of the immunity. It helps you build up. It
4: it is possible to get the flu even after you've received the vaccine like you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the time, the CDC hits it on the nail, and it protects you from the flu that's out there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't get it. 100%, 100%, so you may have, like you just said, part of a flu, uh, but it does last shorter, mm-hmm. and it's near, as, near not near as severe as with a full-blown flu symptoms.
1: Uh, Danny Vela from Lease Pharmacy, North and South McAllen, pneumonia, brother. you got to tell me about that one, because that pneumonia, for the first time ever in my life, a couple years back, sent me to the hospital, and I just lowered my defenses, I stopped taking supplements, I, I was all stressed out, and really lowered my defense. I wound up in the hospital for about a week and change. Was sick for another month. And I was told by, it was uh, our, our friend, Dr. Ivan Mentiendez Melendez, um, <laughs> our sure. county health authority, who told me, Serge, you're probably going to need to take a pneumonia vaccine. It will help. So tell me about that one.
4: Okay. The, the pneumonia vaccine we have year-round. It's available year-round. It's highly recommended in, in older adults. Um because any kind of damage to your lungs, your bronchial area, is irreversible. reversible? You, you can't get it back. So if it if it damages you, it's gonna, that damage is there for life. So if you can keep it from coming on with the flu, with a pneumonia vaccine, uh, you're better off. Okay. Uh,
1: well, you said I, key I word. I think I've had them all. So. Yeah. Uh, you said older folks, and I refuse to take. I don't want to say I'm old. That's it. But I was looking at my age. I, I told Delia, my wife. I told her. Dave, you realize, like next year, I'm going to be able to I'm I'll be able to qualify for the Denny's afternoon special for seniors, starting next year. And um, hey, RSV. Uh, this uh, I think this there's something new, right, in the fight against RSV. This lung ailment that usually strikes hits babies. Older people need RSV protection too, right?
4: That's correct. Um, guidelines tell us that anyone over the age of sixty should probably get the the RSV vaccine. Um, it, kids are getting it. Babies are getting it. Most of the time, they're getting those in their in their pediatricians' offices, uh, which they should because it's, it's probably more deadly in kids than it is in adults. But it is not anything that you want to have when you are an adult. So yes, after 60, it's mm-hmm. recommended that you get a an RSE. They have made a, a a larger, concerted effort to to market it, if you will, uh, because it's important they've seen a rise in RSV cases in adults.
1: Yeah. If, you're, if you've got a weak immune system, you're immunocompromised, you're vulnerable, uh, the, the COVID follow-up uh, will be available, or you have it available already if folks want it? Which one is it?
4: The, the newest COVID vaccine is now available. Um, we are getting some requests for it. Uh, most insurances are paying for it i don't think we've come across one that hasn't paid for it uh the difference with this one is that it is not subsidized by the government like, yeah. like the previous vaccines yeah, are yeah. this one is purely commercial uh, but yeah we are getting calls for it uh, i've had mine highly recommended um you know, uh, the COVID we're seeing today is not near as severe as it was before. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and, and it's not as widespread as it was before. Yeah. So the vaccines did something to, to slow it down.
1: You know, uh, you and I were talking about uh, that pneumonia vaccine, which, you know what? I only found out there was a vaccine when I got sick two years ago. I had pneumonia, first time ever in my life. Had has some patch in my lung. Mary Lou Retton, remember her? She's been in the news yes. a couple of days back. How mm-hmm. sad. She's 55. Yeah. She's part of our generation. She's 55 and fighting for her life. May God save her and protect her daughter. talking to the media. Mary Lou Retton is fighting for her life, fighting pneumonia right now. So, yeah, if you're at that age or had pneumonia before, yeah, get that vaccine. Anything else I missed, Danny? Sure. We need to mention right now.
4: Um, stay safe. Wash your hands. Huh. Cover your nose when you sneeze and et cetera, et cetera. Don't cough from, you know, the typical stuff. Um, we have seen a lot of cases, like, like I said, milder, not as severe, but I think we can still help each other by washing our hands and doing all the precautions. And um, I'd like to thank you, Seth Hill. You know, you've had me on the air many times, and I don't know if I've ever thanked you for the support you've given us over the years, and it, it is much appreciated. It's been an honor and a pleasure to serve you and my your brother, family.
1: And vice versa, amigo. We're we're from the valley, from here, and we have got to protect our family and friends. And thank you, brother, for always being there for us. Thank you, Danny. Look look for Lee's Pharmacy, North and South McCallum. They're part of my family, have been for years.
2: I love your show. Hello, hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's exactly right. Wait. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo. Sick to the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, 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 talk. Hello? Hello?
4: Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No.
3: Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she the judge?
0: Stand up to do something.
3: Thank
0: you. The Valley's only news talk station. News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: And we are bone dry in South Texas. I know we get a little bit of rain and some heavy rain and overnight rain every now and then, but that's not enough. We need the rain at the watershed. And we do, when we do get rain here in South Texas, uh, let's try to keep some of it, put it somewhere. <laughs> Maybe we can use it in the cities or in the fields. And to that effort, I think folks in Idalu County are working to create a reclamation project, try to try to retain some of that rainwater. Uh, David Fuentes is our Precinct One Commissioner for Hidalgo County. Let's start there, uh, Commissioner. The reclamation project here in Hidalgo County. How's that going?
5: Oh, it's going well. Good morning, and thank you for having yes, me. Uh, it, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great experience so far. This project has been around for a really long time, at least conceptually. Started back in like 2008, uh, but for a long time it just kind of sat idly. It had to go through a bunch of processes. Uh, a few years ago, right before I came into office, the TCQ gave us the water rights within the drainage ditch uh, system that would allow us to basically, from from concept, just to retain this water, clean it, and then use it uh, with a water supply company and make it potable water. Okay. So so far, that's kind of where where we've been. TCQ recently gave us a testing protocol, which allows us. Really, it's a major milestone because it basically says. Yes, this project is viable. Yes, it's something we want to pursue. And if you can clean it to this standard, then you can use it as right. a water supply.
1: Like, uh, flesh that out for us a bit more. Where is it? How does it work? Is it one big pool of water, some big hole in the ground somewhere that will be fed by you know local ditches, all this rainwater? Uh, how much water are we talking about? Can, can you explain to us? And also, how do you clean it?
5: Okay, so this is actually pretty much every, uh, system, every drainage system that's on the northern part of the expressway in Hidalgo County. So think of McAllen, Edinburgh, Mission, uh, northern parts of FAR, uh, San Juan Alamo, all that entire corridor drains to the north. And as it drains to the north, it hits all of these laterals that end up on, along our main system. So you're talking about hundreds of miles of drainage systems that really have water flow even in dry conditions and drought conditions because of uh, just water tables, uh, surface area runoff, uh, things like roads, agricultural systems, all of that drains into these systems. <clears throat> we, we're going to have three different locations along the main drain that we can uh, basically create reservoirs to detain water. And the one that we've been working on is the one that we call the Delta Reclamation System, which is just north of La Villa. We have about a 100 acre reservoir that we've designed and that we're currently uh, preparing uh, to be able to retain water. So if you actually go out there, what we've done now is we've created a siphon out of that main drain system into a testing trailer or two testing trailers. And so one of them uh, pulls or extracts water off of that main system. It, It then moves it to the second trailer system. And in that trailer system, we are actually following the testing protocol that TCEQ has approved. So it, it, it's kind of like a reverse osmosis system where it pulls it out, runs it through a bunch of different filtration systems, uh, different chemicals, uh, and then it's tested as it, as it goes through that system. And then once it's out of the system, then we determine like water quality. Um, so that, that's basically where we're at. We have to do that for a number of months or at least until we get to a protocol that TCEQ approves and mm-hmm. the water quality that TCEQ CCEQ approves, we we prepare a report and once they approve that, then we're basically uh, to the point where we can start thinking about, you know, major production.
1: Our Precinct 1 Commissioner for Hidalgo County, David Fuentes, our guest.
3: Yeah, Commissioner Tim Sullivan here. This Delta Reclamation Project, it's kind of a a dual flood control and and water supply project, uh, correct?
5: Yeah, so it's actually the only project uh, that we know of in, in Texas that That fits two different Texas Water Development Board major plans. One, a water supply plan because of the systems that we just discussed. And it's also a flood mitigation plan that's uh, recognized in the regional 15 state flood plan. Uh, So it actually does both. So with that 100 uh, acres of detention, we're able to pull water off of the main system. And what it really does is it creates Detention capacities within our ditch system because it's pulling water out of that main system and allowing water inside of like the cities and communities uh, to keep, you know, putting water into the ditch system because we pulled 100 uh, 100 acres of feet, uh, 100 acres of water. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, off of the system. Yes, sir.
3: So, have the um, have the flooding complaints gone down then since this project came into being? Have calls to your office have been fewer from (laughs) Residents in, in the areas where the project is targeting uh, about bad drainage uh, in, in, you know, those those various low-lying neighborhoods and whatnot. Uh, in other words, so, is the so, project working?
5: Yeah, so right now, you know, I, I think all of us recognize that we just haven't had a, a major storm system mm-hmm. in, a, in a couple of years. So we haven't really had to test the system uh, quite yet. So it's still uh, being Prepared it, and it's still in production per se. It's still mm-hmm. in construction mode. So we're still making improvements to the system We've been trying to really get this water testing out of the way, but here, here's what we have seen is that other um, Detention facilities that we've created that are in smaller scale within uh, Communities really has helped work and I and I point to the Chapa Las Prisas area We did a 10 acre detention facility right. back in 2018. We had yep. 350 homes that had water intrusion and in Hurricane, uh, uh, in 2020, in the hurricane that we had, forget the name off the yeah. top of the head, but H- <laughs> Hannah, Hurricane Hannah, uh, we, had, we had less than a handful of, of homes that had an intrusion. So from that scale, just that 10-acre detention facility that's right off the premises there uh, really helped a lot. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot of these types of, of uh, detention facilities being put up because it's easy to buy a 10-acre tract as opposed to maybe 10 miles of linear detention and trying to create, you know, linear uh, excavation or improvements.
3: In terms of supplying that water that you're going to be treating, uh, any potential buyers uh, for that treated water yet? Anybody lining up or anybody you have in mind?
5: So as we went through the legislative session to really get this thing uh, moving, uh, one, one of the things that we cannot do is sell to an end user. And what I mean by that is like maybe a residential home or an end commercial user, like a a business. We have to go through a water supply company or an irrigation district. So those are going to be our our main buyers. They're still kind of waiting for us to get this uh, process approved because then that kind of determines what the pricing of it would be. Uh, But are they interested? Absolutely. Are they supportive? Absolutely, because they're going to be in, they're going to be in, water's going to be in demand, uh, just like <laughs> it is right now as the <laughs> reservoir levels go down. This is an alternative way to get water uh, to their systems and be able to pro- provide, you know, our homes and, and businesses with water. So, absolutely, we have a lot of interest in it.
1: And as a reminder, we're only two clicks away from the all-time low level, 19%, at the reservoir. We're at 21% in change right now and still falling, people. And the forecast not looking good. We might get some rain like uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, uh, might be good for us, but we're not getting hardly anything at the reservoir, no tropical systems. We're pretty much done with the tropical season, Any, anything to replenish the, the reservoir. We are not in good shape right now uh, when it comes to that reservoir. We're 21% in change. How, how deep will that 100-acre pool be, uh, David?
5: So it, it, it'll vary, but mostly it's roughly about 10 feet deep, 10 to 8 feet deep, and it'll, it'll be able to provide easily uh, 5 million gallons a day. Uh, so it e- even in drought conditions so we're very confident that this is going to be something that can be sustainable that will provide future on a daily basis yeah. for for many 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 well, years to that's... come and the truth is we can have three facilities within that main system uh we've already identified where they are they've already been approved and then the fourth one we have a floating site that we can do in willis county basically means we can put it anywhere we think it might be advantageous for us uh so we have four uh plants that we could water plants that we can actually build along this main system. Okay,
1: clean up that and water. Just,
5: yeah, and just to touch base on this uh, rain catcher award because I know that, you know, that was something that came up recently is the Water Development Board just recognized this project as kind of like a green project. We're able to reuse water, capture it, use it again, uh, so that it was just an environmental uh, award for our project. Okay,
1: congratulations. congratulations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. hope it works, and we could definitely set up a lot more of those. Thank you, Dave. Our Precinct 1 Commissioner, Hidalgo County, David Fuentes.
0: It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: This is Newstalk 710-KURV, this radio station, exclusive play-by-play home for Houston Astros baseball. Thank you to our many supporters, including FNT Valley Motorsports and Riverside Development Services and also Hess Air. Well, that was a nice sprinkle of rain that we got this week. Uh, some of the cities got that. I don't think Lake Falcon got much uh, to make any difference whatsoever. Uh, And the tropical season is pretty much here for the western Gulf of Mexico. That would be mm, us. So, so much for a tropical system parking itself over at Lake Falcon and raising the levels. Okay, so let's look at our uh, approaching dangerously low levels, if not already there, where I understand we're a couple of clicks away from reaching the all-time low, which was like 19% ownership, U.S. ownership, of what is stored at Lake Falcon and lake amistad we have a few cities with some some restrictions water conservation i i think i don't know i think bells and whistles should be sounding right now because we're entering a what seems to be a a dry period going into the fall and uh, let's get the um regular contribution on a regular basis we call our friend sonny Inojosa. he's um, our water advocate he's with hidalgo county irrigation district number two all right sonny um Give me the latest numbers uh, as far as the report and how many o- how many days old is that report because we're probably a little lower than that
6: already. Sure. Yeah, the last figures we have are from September 30th, <laughs> and uh, we're at 21.42% in our ownership at Ami Southern Falcon. This, is of course, is the U.S. share. So that's just a little over 700,000 acre feet. And, yes, the, our, our all-time low, you know, it was 19 percent. Uh, you know, back in 1998. So we're we're approaching that. And and yes, you're right. You know, there's not a whole lot of attention being given. Uh, most people think you know it only affects the farming community, but but it, it has a ripple effect. So you know, it's just you know when you don't have that industry, you don't have your sugar cane, your citrus, your vegetables. Uh, it just it it just hurts the economy yeah. of, of the Rio Grande.
1: Yeah, there's a multiplier effect, and all any and all businesses that feed off of a farming economy in South Texas, uh, they can if things continue the way they are, and we go below the all-time low of nineteen percent nineteen percent U.S. ownership, and we don't see any pretty much any water allotted to local growers, and they go without planting anything the <laughs> next spring. That's like a nightmare scenario. Man, there definitely won't be any revenue to spread to sprinkle across the Rio Grande Valley economy, and I mean, with a forecast the way it is, I mean, I suppose it's that nightmare scenario is still possible. And I wish more more local leaders would would wake up and make some noise about this.
6: Yeah, so far we have uh, two irrigation districts that have ceased to deliver irrigation water, and one of them is Maverick, uh, Maverick District. <clears throat> up in the Eagle Pass area uh they stopped delivering ag water 2 weeks ago and the other district is here in the Rio Grande Valley and that's Heart Engine Irrigation District uh they they cease delivering irrigation water as well uh they're only delivering you know contract water but yeah i mean from what we've here rumbling from other districts is they'll be running out uh the the picture's pretty bleak for next year um, yeah, you know, one one positive thing that we picked up on lately is is the forecast for a stronger El Nino, and they're calling for a, a cooler and wetter fall and and winter, and they're using 2014 and 2015 as uh, as kind of examples of what we might experience, and you know 2014 and 15, especially 15, was extremely wet, and, and uh, of course that that's here, so uh it may not bring water into the watershed into our reservoirs but if it keeps us from having to request water to be released you know that's a benefit as well so it looks like we're going to just keep on keeping on uh like you're you're mentioning hurricane season is just about over uh, for us uh, nothing developed we had some some storms uh, earlier this week you know coming up in from the pacific side but they they Curved and, and went northeast, and uh, really, I was hoping they'd cross that mountain range in Mexico and, and go into Chihuahua, but that didn't happen. So, you know, you know, it's this time of year that 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 area in Chihuahua and, and western Mexico, you know, do get rainfall. Uh, so that you know, we're it, it could still benefit, but there's nothing major going on
1: at this point. Our water advocate. Sonny Inojosa, he is with the Valley County Irrigation District Number Two. We are at twenty-one point four percent when it comes to the U.S. ownership of the water. That's at Lake Falcon, Lake Amistad combined. Twenty-one point four—the all-time record low was nineteen and change, and that was um, back in like in nineteen ninety-nine. We are rapidly approaching that number. The rain we have received—just a trickle of it, relatively speaking—not enough to bring the water levels up. And as you know, Sunny mentioned, I mentioned. Uh, the whole for a tropical system to replenish that—that's that, not in the near future. We only have a few entities, as far as cities, that are doing some water restrictions. Sonny, I don't think I've ever asked you this before, because Mexico, is, has not complied in their obligations to deliver water and try to raise our ownership level. They're holding on to water in dams in the interior because they are in default. What is to you know? Why not? Why don't we? Say okay, Mexico, your ownership at Lake Falcon and Lake Amistad is X Y Z. You know what? We're going to take X Y Z for now. Keep your water in Mexico. You can count your water inside Mexico in your dam. Uh, we're just going to subtract it from Lake Amistad and Falcon. Why don't we do that?
6: You know, we just we had a meeting with IBWC last week, and and they have a different interpretation of the treaty. Uh, I mean, it, it's written in. Was it the Mexico? That,
1: Mexico has a different interpretation?
6: Well, no. Our Even our. Our people. International Bounty and Water Commission and our State Department Great. interpret it differently. Okay. Uh, it, it favors Mexico. Uh, they believe that Mexico has a five year window to deliver the 1.75 million acre feet. Now, yes, the, the treaty does state. That we're supposed to get a, a minimum of 350,000 acre-feet, averaged over a five-year period, but then the very next paragraph goes on to read that in the event of extraordinary drought or, or accident to their hydraulic system, you know, making it difficult for Mexico to make that delivery. So we interpret that as we're supposed to get the annual delivery, unless they have one or both of these conditions, which Mexico is not claiming. And and yes, we were informed of that interpretation correction uh, last week and that's not good news for us. We interpret it, I mean, it, it's, it's just it's in black and white. If this cycle that ends in 2025, if it ends in a deficit, then that deficit becomes a debt because okay. there's a minute to the treaty, minute 234, that does allow Mexico to transfer water in storage at Amistad Falcon to the US or they can assign any part of their two thirds flow to the U.S. as well to make up for that deficit, but that can only occur currently after a cycle ends.
1: If we do receive, so we have I, two years. Yeah, we, yeah, that's a, that's twist. an eternity. <laughs> two years—that's a long time. When we are it just, is. yeah, we're bordering, we're getting real close to 19 percent, that record, and we're probably going to be below that. I I hope not. I hope we get some miracle rain with some cool fronts and get a wetter fall and, and winter, as it is being called for. And at least we can hold the line, say, around low 20s for a while, but uh, we're in danger we're falling. We're going to have to yeah.
6: because, like you mentioned, you know, uh, municipalities or our municipal water suppliers, their, their function is in jeopardy if an irrigation district, Not I, sh- I should say if, when an irrigation district runs out of water. Yeah. You know, the two that I've mentioned, uh, the one, I mean, they do deliver m- municipal water, but but, you know, they're holding on to some water. They're not completely out. They're going to take care of their municipality. But, you know, there are some that, that if they run out, they, they jeopardize or compromise the ability to deliver that small volume that cities use. That cities use.
1: Thank you, Sonny.
6: Anytime. You bet.
1: Our water advocate for the region from Hidalgo County Irrigation District Number 2, Sonny Hinojosa.
0: KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: Let's go to the Rio Grande Valley port of Brazel. Ed Campinano, director of our port. Let's lead uh, in this newsletter, the monthly newsletter. Let's lead with the business park that's under construction 118 acre 118-acre shovel-ready business park. Do you see this business park perhaps hosting some suppliers, maybe raw materials or suppliers for this massive project, the LNG project that's coming up at the port?
7: Well, I think that uh, the business park, uh, one, it's uh, it's inside the part of Brownsville, so it offers the security that a lot of uh, businesses want as it relates to uh, just ensuring that uh, um, you know the the their facility is going to be um, uh, patrolled or or, or 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 certainly secure. Uh, the other element of it is that it not only offers an opportunity to attract new business support, it also offers an opportunity to allow our existing businesses to expand. Uh, we've had uh, interest from both. Within the park as well as outside the park for the facility. Now it is under construction. Uh, it is. It, it, it does represent, you know, multiple tracks uh, depending on on the size that the particular business interest has. Uh, it does provide uh, certainly access to all the port services, whether it's rail, uh, whether it is whether it's rail, whether it's access to uh, the uh, uh, waterfront infrastructure. So it, it does provide a, a, an entire uh, logistics uh, opportunity depending on what the particular business interest uh, uh, needs as it relates to supporting its operation, whether it's access yeah. to uh, domestic or foreign market for uh, for the uh, 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 exporting its commodities or whether it's for importing uh, commodities uh, that will be used either for domestic or in in our case, you know, a lot of what we do supports business in Mexico. So it it adds another opportunity for the port to uh, not only expand its existing business, but certainly attract other new industry or businesses to the port. And uh, so uh, it's under construction. Uh, It will be uh, fully Uh, uh, supported by all the necessary infrastructure and uh, you know we're looking forward to seeing that uh, project completed Uh, we expect to have it done uh, within a year construction started uh, so we expect to see it uh, in operation Uh, You know, fairly uh, within the 12 month period of construction. Are you getting potential tenants?
1: Are you getting potential potential tenants knocking at your door already? We are
7: getting interest, like Mm -hmm. I said, not only from uh, tenants from outside the area, outside the port, as well as inside the port.
1: Okay. I know recently you provided a a guided tour of our port to some key economic development folks. So tell me how that went.
7: I thought it went very well. Uh, I, you know, it's uh, always uh, an opportunity for us to, you know, allow individuals to understand really what happens inside the port. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, you've heard me say in the past is, you know, nine one one changed our lives, and certainly uh, the free access to the port was one of those things that is no longer permissible under Homeland Security rules. But taking people who are in uh, the business of uh, economic development, you know, especially in our region, and to show them uh, what we're doing here at the port and how we can also support efforts outside just uh, this uh, port community, but in other parts of the region to support their efforts, uh, I think is always a good opportunity. I, I think people often, you know, kind of come away just, you know, realizing just the expanse of the activity out here, uh, the kinds of activity that goes on here, uh, and and really at the end of the day, the appreciation of the significance. Uh, and the role the port plays in the region. So uh, that, that's always good to send people away, arms and port knowledgeable and, and understand just how much this uh, facility means to the region. So, uh, you know, we take every opportunity we can when we have those those opportunities. Yeah, with
1: all the good things taking place at Brownsville with, with steel, with new energy, liquefied natural gas and aerospace, all those wonderful things. McAllen... Uh, Mission and uh, with McAllen, the lead uh, working on on high tech. We got some chip manufacturing and you know working on a big project. Uh, I know that you know for years now, uh, McAllen area, Edinburgh. You know McAllen, Edinburgh, ago, They they were they took that tour. They sell us as one region as well, and they sell our port and that would be that access to the sea for exporting any you know any factory, any assembly line, any big manufacturer, high tech stuff they get. Be would be a, a critical for Macallan, the McAllen area landing uh, a big project, that big project they've been talking about for the longest time. And you know, you guys seem to be working more and more in unison in this region. Uh, I know the Valley Partnership, which could be key in providing leadership, working in unison to, to sell this well, area. Uh,
7: they, they were present on that tour as yeah. well, and certainly we've been a participant with the partnership for many, many years. So, uh, you know, that, that whole – you know, regional discussion is important to to have, uh, uh, but again, uh, I think that, you know, especially big industry, you know, large-scale development doesn't care where one city ends and another begins.
3: The
6: mm-hmm.
7: yeah. They look at it as, you know, what does the region have? You know, how is the region going to support, uh, you know, our efforts, you know, you know. So, so I, I think that uh, it's certainly good. Uh, it's probably better than it's ever been as far as the regional dialogue and Agreed. working together. You know, we've hit yeah. some home runs to demonstrate that it's it's better to work together than to work uh, independently or, or compete with each other. Let's get it to the region, and, and then let's worry about where they land.
1: Ed Campidano, director of the Rio Grande Valley, Port of Brownsville, And before I let you go, Ed, maybe take just a minute. On the reconstruction of one of your docks, I know you received some grant money for that. Tell me how important that
2: is.
7: Yes. Well, we have. It is very important. I mean, you know, one of the things we're seeing is obviously increased demand for port facilities, and and so this is a dock uh, that is well over 50 years old. It it needs to be completely reconstructed and and built anew. So uh, we received the grant from the state of Texas. You know, we're very grateful to the state legislature. You know, this is the first time that they've actually funded uh, the port access uh, the port capital fund. And, and funding other port projects in a big way, uh, you know, in the past that just hasn't been the case. So um, uh, this this past legislative session allocated 200 million dollars for port infrastructure projects, and those are particularly important to us because what we're talking about projects that happen inside the gate. In other words, you know, uh, not just the last mile or access to a port facility. Um, So that was critical, and uh, we were able to secure $11.5 million, a little bit over that, for the reconstruction of Dock 3. And all this does is gives us another dock to be able to handle the demand of the occupancy that we're seeing on our docks. Uh, uh, for multiple uses. Uh, This particular location is very strategic, it's at the end of the Turning Basin, so it it offers us support uh, to be able to, uh, you know, move a whole host of commodities. So uh, we're excited to get this going, it's needed, and uh, uh, certainly will be put to good use as soon as it's complete.
1: Just some of the information you'll find in the latest newsletter from the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville, Thank you, Chief. We'll call you again. Ed Campinano, director of our This report. is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710 KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710 KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is Sergio at KURV.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710 KURV.
0: As long as you're scrolling through your phone checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or App App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.